Give it up for our greeters, amen? Come on. How about our ushers? How about our, 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 our children's workers? Our adult teachers? Come on, let's get a shout out to the preacher. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw myself in there. God bless you. <laughs> I want you to take your Bibles with me and let's go. Uh, we're going we're gonna to end up in 1 Chronicles 28, but before we go there, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. And let's just believe him. I, I, he's got good things in store. He's got good things in store today. Amen. Father, we just ask you, Lord, right now. Lord, you said in your word, Lord, that your children perish for lack of knowledge. Lord, I just pray that we would be overwhelmed with the revelation knowledge of who we are in you and who you are in us. Lord, we believe that we have been called to know you and, Lord, to make you known. And, Lord, I'm just asking today that, Lord, every lying spirit to be broken and that the truth would prevail in the hearts and the lives of your children. And I ask today that we would see as you see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to look here, and I just want to draw back from, from last week's message. And how many know when you're, when you're building a house, it's layer upon layer. You know, it's brick upon brick. It's, it's, you're just building a house. We're, we're, we're continuing to build in this house. And, but last week, we started a, a, a series we just call Community. Because I believe that the Lord has instructed me personally months ago or weeks ago. He just began to, he said, after the first of the year, I want you to begin to teach on community and the value of community. And so last week we're, we began this series of study and talking just really about our, our, our center point of our, our being, which is, I believe, the theme of the whole Bible. And that is man dwelling with God, God dwelling with man. We have the garden home of God, and that's called Eden, where we started out with Adam and Eve, and that was not only their habitation and their place of dwelling, but it was also God's place of dwelling on earth. And we see how that sin came in, and man was separated from the garden, and now we see it bookended on the other end. We see Revelation and how that we discover in Revelation 21 and 3, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his God, or he, they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So we have here the... the the understanding is that God is interested in habitating his church. We're not talking about the brick and mortar of a building. We're talking about, no, you're not your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that tells us and defines for us our purpose on earth, no matter what position that we may hold or what area we may end up in. We are called to know the Lord and to make him known. That is our purpose on earth. It is to be the dwelling place of God and then to invite others to become the dwelling place of God. It's a beautiful thing. You can, you can just wrap everything up in that. And you see from, from Genesis to Revelation, we see this weaving throughout this idea of God tabernacling, living, being uh, the living inside of man. So we have here in Exodus twenty-five and eight, we have the the house thing continuing, as the Lord told Moses, said, "I want you to build me." In Exodus twenty-five and eight, He said, "Let them make me a sanctuary." That word sanctuary there is a sacred place. <laughs> Make me a sacred place that I may dwell among them. Mm. Make me a sacred place that I may dwell 
among them. So Moses built a temporal house, right? Moses builds a temporal house, the tabernacle, the tent. It was mobile. They could move from place to place. They would break camp. They would set up. They knew where to go because if the cloud rested upon the tabernacle, they stayed put. Sometimes the cloud rested for a day, sometimes a week, sometimes a whole year. But when that cloud began to lift and move, it was time to break camp and follow the cloud. <laughs> That's the message for another day. Amen? <laughs> you, uh, you, you just you, you got to follow the Lord when the Lord moves. Amen? Sometimes he camps at a place, and sometimes we like that place that we camp, and so we don't want to leave there, and so God leaves, and we stay right there we got to follow the Lord. Amen? So he moves, and they move with him. It was, a, it was a, a let us know that God was with us on earth as a covenant people, but it was a temporal dwelling. It was a temporal dwelling. Now, who received the instructions for that dwelling place? It was Moses, along with the law. He received the instructions as to all the, the intricate details as to how to build this temporal dwelling. And so they would travel. And this temporal dwelling was not meant to be permanent. So it was Moses who received, and if you look at the Word of God and the layering of the Word of God, what we understand is Moses represents a priesthood that would not stay forever. It would be a priesthood that would be merged into a new priesthood. It would be a, it would be a, a, a type. Andrew used the phrase this morning, a, a placeholder. It would be a placeholder until the real came in. There would be a priesthood after the order of, of Levitical priesthood and the law that was given to Moses. And Moses becomes a representation of that priesthood and that law. But it was temporal. It was a placeholder. It was temporal. It was a placeholder. But there would come a day where there's going to be a more permanent structure. So that brings us to 1 Chronicles 28. Now, King David had in his desire to build God a dwelling place. But the Lord said, you're not you're going to do that. You're a man of war, and because you're a man of war, you, uh, your, your, your troops are spread out too far. Resources. You, you've got them... You got all the manpower spread out. So what we're going to do is you're not going to build me a house, but your son's going to build me a house. But the father supplied all the needs for the house. Now, I want you to look here in 1 Chronicles 28. And can I trouble somebody? I feel one of those metrodones just clicking, and I don't know that I could keep time with that. Could y'all come turn that off for me? Because it's like... I'm, I'm trying to keep beat, and I'm not. Anybody out there just, I know you probably can't even hear it, can you? It's a miracle that I can hear it. No. Just checking you. First uh, Chronicles 28. I'm sorry. I, I think I texted him the wrong, the wrong 28. I'm sorry about that, Derek. First Chronicles 28, 6 and 7. I don't know how we messed that up, but anyway, we, mostly me. <laughs> Are you there yet? First um, Chronicles 28, 6 and 7. My brain hasn't thawed yet. Okay, let's look here. Now he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to David. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon, who shall build my house, and my courts 
For I have chosen him to be my son, I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he is steadfast to observe my commandments, my judgments, as it is this day. David, thank you for your desire to build my house. But there's something deeper going on here. It's not going to be you. It's going to be your son. And I'm going to call him my son. Because I want to convey a message not just to him and that generation, but I want them to understand there's coming a day where the Lord's going to build a house. And that house is not going to be a temporal dwelling, but it's going to be a house built by my son, my beloved son. So Moses built a tabernacle, which was a temporal dwelling, but the son is going to build a more permanent dwelling. Amen? It's the the temple and built there. So now we look at, we look at First uh, Chronicles twenty nine one and two. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, "My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals." It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, as well as a great quantities of onyx and other precious stone, costly jewels, all kinds of fine stone and marble. Mm. God's not just building a house for mortal men. He's building a house for the Lord himself. Amen? So, look at this. I want us to see something, and in the process of this, I was going to try to put it all in one day, but the Lord said, no, I want you to break it out. I want you to today and then then, then next week. And we're going to see how this pertains to community before we're finished with this. And we're not talking about the community of Greenville, Texas, though they're going to be affected by what affects us in here. We're talking about the community of believers that are in the house. We're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about being in common unity and one mind and one accord. But as you look at the, you look at the value of the tabernacle and the temple, it is amazing. Just a little bit of search on the internet, you can find out how much it would cost to build the tabernacle and the temple in today's economy. I'd like to share a little bit of that with you. In the tabernacle, the gold that was gathered, the gold that was gathered was 2,200 pounds of gold. The silver that was gathered was 7,500 plus pounds of silver. The bronze, 5,200 pounds a bronze. That comes up to 7.5 tons of metal that was used in the building of the tabernacle. Now, if you take that along with the wood, the tapestry, everything that was brought in there, all the, the furnishings and everything, the sum total of the value of the tabernacle in today's economy, if we wanted to take an offering to go build a replica in a, identical to that, it would cost us $63 million. 
That was the temporal dwelling. That was the tent. They carried it from place to place. That was the tent. That was the tabernacle. $63 million. Would you say that there was some value placed on that replica in the covenant of old, the, the law and the, and the dwelling place of God? Seems a little bit extravagant, doesn't it? But hold on. Moses is going to build, with the resources they have, he's going to build this dwelling. It's going to cost you Israelites $63 million. In fact, it's not going to cost you that much at all because you took the spoil from Egypt. We won't even talk about that. When you, when you go and the blood of the lamb is poured and you leave the, the Egyptian bondage, uh, you're going to go and the Egyptians are just going to hand it out to you because they want you to get out. You're going to take all of that with you. And then portions of that's going to be given in the house of the Lord. And that's going to be used in order, to, in order to build the tabernacle. But see, the father gathered up, David, he gathered up massive wealth through his life. You can find this in 1 Chronicles 29, 6-8, but don't go there. You can if you want to. But The gold used in the temple, now get this, the gold used in the tabernacle was 2,200 pounds. The gold used in the temple, 188 tons. One ton equals 2,000 pounds. First Chronicles 29, 6, and 8 lays this out. Of the silver, 375 tons of silver. Bronze, 675 tons. What's included in there is also iron, 3,750 tons. Tons of iron. That comes to a total of all of the precious metals, not including the wood, the brick, the mortars, any of that other things that were included. Just the precious, just the metals themselves comes up to 4,988 tons of metal that was used to build the temple of the Lord. Do you want to know how much it cost? <laughs> We're taking an offering today. We're going to build a house, okay? It's not a temple. It's, it's not a, a tabernacle. It's not a tent. We're going to need how much? Yeah. That's not even going to get the doors put on the place. <laughs> now, let me just let me say this. Looked it up. There's a building on earth today. It is uh, the, the, the mosque in Mecca. Moss and Mecca. There, it, it cost $100 billion to build. Not even comparable to what went into this. Today, we're taking an offering, and we're going to build a replica of the temple of the Lord. It's going to cost $1 trillion dollars. One trillion dollars. One trillion dollars. Get your wallets out. Get your bank account out. Come on, we're taking the firstborn. <laughs> wow, you're thinking, man, the Lord, he's extravagant, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah, man, he just, he's going to go over the top. He's going he's gonna to make it, man, he just must be a greedy old God. It's many times how we look at the Lord. If we don't see what the Lord is doing and where he places value. See, because if we begin to understand, see, he's speaking to us in language we understand. Economy. 
economy. This is going to cost you X number of dollars. This is going to cost you X number of euros. This is going to cost you X number of pesos. This is going to cost you X number of whatever. This is language you understand because you understand the value of currency. And so the Lord builds a place that that would cost in today's economy one trillion plus dollars to communicate a message for you and I so that we could not ever doubt what value he places upon us. Say, well, how can we begin to think that, that God would place value because the Lord was showing you and I that ultimately the end all and the son who will build the house, it will be a house not made by human hands. It will not be out of brick and mortar. It'll be flesh and blood. It'll be a spiritual house. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why would the Lord have them build a trillion dollar, the most expensive building ever built in human history? Why would God do that? Because he wants you to know, and you to know, and you to know, and you to know, and you to know how much he values you. Hear me. How do we know this? How do we know God really cares? He that would not withhold his own son. See, because the Father supplied. He supplied the sacrifice. He supplied everything to communicate a message to you and I of the value that he places upon us. The value that he places upon us, it doesn't leave any room for insecurity in my heart. When I begin to comprehend how much God values me, how much God values you. Oh my God, what a, what a, what can you imagine? A child who you give everything and you lavish them with everything and they look around and they don't understand the reason why you've been lavished is because of the love and they're looking around and still questioning whether or not the parents, the mother, the father still love them. How do I know God loves me? Because of the value he has placed and the imagery he has given And the fact that the Father is the one who supplied all of the needs in order for the house to be built. But then the monetary value that we place on that should be a glaring declaration of how much value God places upon us. Oh, my Lord God. In saying this, You have an overwhelming sense that God does not care and that this message is not for you but for somebody else. That you have a hard time bringing yourself into the position to know God values you. Then let me just say to you, you're living in a darkened understanding of who God is and who you should be in God. See, because there's a value God places upon you. For God so loved, say this with me, for God so loved me. See, it's got to become personal or it'll never become powerful. It's got to become personal 
or will never become purposeful. It's got to become personal or it'll never be permanent. Are you hearing me? It's got to be personal. When I stand before God, it will not be the excuses that I bring before him that's going to make any difference. It's not going to be the people that, that hindered me from getting close to the Lord. It's not going to be those that abused me, hurt me, or anything else. It's going to be me and me alone. And it's going to be a question of what did I do with the sacrifice of Christ? Did I receive him wholly? Did I understand the value that he placed upon me? Did I walk in that value that God rested upon me? Or did I continue in this darkened understanding and I made excuses for the reasons why I could not live for him? And now I'm at the end of my days. I'm standing before him. And because I couldn't value myself in the Lord, I put no value on others nor the work of the ministry of God. And so now I stand before him excuseless because he put such great overwhelming value. Come here, Thomas, and I will show you. Look at the scars in my hand. Why are those there? It's because of you. Why are those nail scars in my feet? It's because of you. Put your hand in my side right here. Why is that there, Thomas? It's because of you. And if I could remove anything from your heart today, child of God, if I could reach in with the surgical tool of the Holy Spirit, if he would allow me today, if he would allow me to reach into your heart, into your spirit, into your home, if he would allow me to just have the tweezers of the Holy Spirit, if I could just reach in and if I could grab one thorn and pull it out of your heart, it would be the thorn of insecurity and I would pull it out and it would revolutionize your life. It would change everything about you. See, because when that thorn of insecurity pierces the heart, it begins to swell and to fester, and it begins to infect every thought that you have. And what it diminishes is the value God has placed upon you. And you can't see through a lens that tells you that God loves you. What you see is through a lens that says God does not care. How do we know he cares? He gives us the understanding through his sacrifice. Such value. See, there's two commandments the Lord says above every other commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. God never asks you of something that he doesn't give himself. Why does he ask you to love him with all of your heart, mind, and soul? Because he loves you with all of his heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, and there's been doctrine teeth. I'm, I'm concerned that I, I, I preached it this way but, uh, in the past as well. And it's because I was coming out of a, uh, out of a thorn of insecurity and not out of a, of a value system God places. Well, I would... I could love them if I love myself. No, that's not what he's talking about. <laughs> you love yourself. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> you love yourself enough that, you know, this blasted fasting is a, something you don't want to do. <laughs> Amen. I love myself to, to I, I, you know, the thing about fasting, and I've fasted a lot in my, my life and ministry, and the one thing I don't like about fasting is I always get hungry. You're going to feed yourself. You're going to clothe yourself. You love yourself enough to put enough clothes on to keep you warm to come in here. Amen. Thank, I'm glad you came, and, and I hope you're, you're glad when you leave. <laughs> but see, that loving of yourself is... is <laughs> yeah, when you leave, you're glad. <laughs> what I mean to, to, to instill you with gladness when you leave. <laughs> you may not get it till the end, so you better stick it out, Okay. But see, we love ourselves. We do. We love ourselves. See, the Lord said the greatest commandment, two greatest commandments are these. The first is to love him. And then to love your neighbors yourself. See, how does this pertain to community? I'm glad you ask. I'm glad you ask. See, we're only as strong as, as our relationships. You're only as strong as your relationships. 
if you have an ideology that God has isolated and separated you from being a part of the community of God, you will not do well. It's not going to happen. You're made to live in the context of community, and community means relationship. Community means that, that you are together in common unity, and your relationships are what makes you strong. And everything that you have today, right now, you can trace it back to a relationship that you're involved in. Everything stems from relationship. But see, relationship is strengthened by value. Value builds strong community. And see, I cannot receive the good news in the relationship with God. I cannot receive the understanding of what value God places upon me and not see those around me as being valuable to God. Our relational strength will depend upon our value for others. Is this ringing any bells at all? Some of you are processing. Some of you, see, we live in an individualistic culture. Did I say that right? Individualistic mindset in the culture of America. We're going to... We just take care of us and our four and no more. We move in a direction that benefits us. We get to the top of the rung of the ladder. We, 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 we're, we're not so much concerned about what other people are doing. We're going to do what we do, and we're going to get there. Amen? That's, that's part of our American culture. It's good on one respect because we're determined. We want to get things done. We pursue. But folks, let me tell you, it's not so good when it comes to the kingdom of God. If all you're interested in you, all you're interested in what, what motivates you, we got to get to the place where we understand the value of community. We understand that I have a part to play, that the supply of the body comes through the membership being joined together. And so if I never get to the place of understanding where I know how much God loves me, how am I going to express that love to others? So it's value. There's many a day. You get up. You don't want to move. You don't want to get out. Some of you have got to get up. Tomorrow, you're going to walk out into the cold. Some of you work out into the cold. You're not going to want to do that. It's going to be cold. You're going to put your long handles on and four layers of socks, and you're going to bundle up, and you're going to walk out like the Michelin man. You just want to try to get to work, but you're going to be motivated. Why? Because there are people at the house you value, and you're going to make the sacrifice needed to supply their needs. So you sacrifice for what you value. You sacrifice for what you value. And see, when I begin to value Others, now we value what God values, and now <clears throat> I begin to celebrate others. I celebrate them. See, I <clears throat> have a hard time celebrating who I don't value. See, but if I value your ministry calling, as much as I value my own ministry calling, because I understand that you're a child of God. I'm a child of God. We're a body ministry, and, you know, nobody values a measly old fingernail until you get an itch. Now it becomes the most valuable member on your body. Amen? Get poison ivy. Huh? You're not supposed to scratch, but, man, the dude comes in handy. Dry skin, cold weather. You want that fingernail, amen? amen? I told you the story, you know, I'll just say it again. Of how I, as a father, teenage daughters in the house, one of my privileged rights is to torment them. <laughs> it's to scare them. They watched some goofy movie that spooked them. I thought, this is perfect opportunity to turn into a zombie. 
They were so freaked out, and I didn't lose character. They were screaming, ah, ah. They ran in the house we were living in, Brian. It had an entry in from the hallway and then for the bedroom. Their bathroom did. Entry from the hallway and then to the bedroom. And so I'm chasing them, and they run in together. My two teenage daughters at the time, they run into the room, and they slam the door. That's all right. I got another entryway. I come in the other side. I didn't anticipate how strong my daughters were. Maybe Let me rephrase that. I did not anticipate how weak I was. So I'm coming up to the door. And they see me. They rush the door. I'm barefoot. My big toe. Nail. Caught the door. That dude went from this to this. Straight up. Blood was gushing. All I could say was, oh God. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Mama, oh Jesus. I didn't realize how much pain a toenail could bring until it was removed forcefully. I put greater value on my toenail. Amen. I love my toes until I stump them. I had this horrible habit of stumping my toes. I can sit on the couch and I stumped my toe the other day just by crossing my legs on the coffee table. My wife said, you're an idiot. I said, I know it. Ah, tenderfoot. Walk softly. I used to think it was because I had Indian in my blood, only to find out Ancestry.com said, you don't have an ounce of Indian. (laughs) I was walking through carrying a load of laundry or something. I don't even remember what. I wasn't watching what I was doing. There's a weight in the floor the other uh, uh, months ago, and I kicked the stupid weight full on. And my middle, it did break. It just, it's curled up now. It's been that way for a year. I didn't value that toe until I stumped it. Ouching. I thank God for my toes now. You don't thank God for your toes? Lose one. You'll know. See, but in the body of Christ, if we love the body of Christ and value them as much as we value ourselves, our members of the body, see, because if we have a clear understanding of God's value for us, we'll have a clear understanding of God's value for others. It filters into the way I treat people It filters into the way that I express myself. No one's perfect. You're going to catch everybody in the the wrong mood, in the wrong moment. It happens. But you know, if you're walking in the love of Christ and I'm walking in the love of Christ, we can find a way around that. Amen? But see, if we walk with a darkened understanding that God places no value on me, then when will I ever put value on others? And see, let me tell you one wonderful tool that God gives us in order to express our understanding of value is thankfulness. When I am, when I value something, I am so grateful for that something. And if I don't value that, I can exercise thankfulness to the place where now God brings the revelation and the praise that comes as the value of who we are in him and who others are in him. Amen? And you begin to thank God for that. I want to encourage you to develop your own personal culture of gratefulness. I know that life is hard. Things are tough. Many times things don't go the way that they should go. It's not your fault, anybody else's fault. Sometimes it's just life. But in the midst of that, could we find a reason to be grateful and start thanking God for not what we don't have, but what we do have. And we start valuing 
valuing the body of Christ and the members of the body. And we start saying, God, thank you for Cindy. Thank you, Lord God, for Melissa. Thank you for Tim, Trevor, and Clint. And even thank you, Lord, for Mike Sanders. Come on. If we just begin to thank God for what we have, all of a sudden our attitude toward that individual will begin to shift from an ingratitude to a gratitude, and we will begin to value them. And now when they have successes, it doesn't take from us. We can celebrate them. Amen. We are masterful at commiserating. We are masterful uh, at looking at others in those downtrodden places and coming along and saying, oh, yeah, I identify with you. I want to help you. And thank God for the comforters in this house and those that will walk alongside you. I thank God for that. But I want to develop a culture where we celebrate one another. Because we are not always so good about that. Amen. Because we think praising someone else is going to take something from us. Full of pride. I was told my whole life we didn't brag on our, my mom and dad and my grandmother is through the, through the school of theology. You didn't brag on your kids because it would make their head swell. Well, guess what? I got a big head anyway. <laughs> I wear an oversized cap. Amen. But it wasn't because, let me tell you, we didn't adopt that philosophy in our house. We celebrated our children. We celebrated their giftings and their callings. We celebrated them. And we told them, look, that gift and calling is not yours to house and to hold all to yourself. It is what God has given you. What comes natural to you may not come natural to someone else. That is your gifting. And that gifting is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And only under His control, only under under his governance can that can that glory be revealed don't waste your talent trying to do something for the world use your talent for the kingdom of God and we celebrated them and in the celebration it brought confidence to them and in that confidence they were able to stand against the adversities of life I'm saying to you it is time that we get out of this entitlement mentality and start celebrating one another and if you have a victory then God has a victory and if you win then God wins amen I want your ministry to dwarf anything that I could even ask or think for. I would love nothing more than those who rise up out of this house and become evangelists to the known world and to gather people in. You're not going to be limited in this place for the leadership. We want you to excel above and beyond. I want those that are called to heal to heal, those that are called to minister to minister. Amen. Developing a culture. A celebration because we value what God values because we understand the value God places upon us because of his love. See, it's hard to feel you're valuable when you got that thorn of insecurity. How do you know when you got that thorn of insecurity? You feel devalued. Nothing you do is ever better or as good as someone else. And you can only see when you walk in the room how people are affecting you. You're not seeing how you're affecting them. When you live in a place where you know God loves you, you're just not really sure he likes you. And he's like, I don't really know that God wants to spend that much time with me. Have you been around me? See, that's a lie. That's a ball face, fork tongue, hell-inspired lie to keep you out of the relationship with the Lord. I want to say something that I hope with all of my heart that will offend you. 
I'm only here to discourage. No. I am God's favorite. You got it. You got it. You're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. My kids grew up in a house believing each one of them were the favorite. Jacob would get my phone and he would text his sisters. I hate to break this to you. I know they've been putting on for years. They're great actors. But mom and dad want me to let you know. I am the favorite. You know what their response was? No, you're not. I'm the favorite. What would happen if you lived like you're the favorite of God? Are you in Christ? Then you are the favorite. <laughs> He's the favorite son. Does God live inside of you? What happens to a house if you don't live in it? Look around the world. <laughs> Amen. The world just suck it down to nothing. It'll corrode. It'll come. You can build a brand new house on the, on the street corner. You leave it empty long enough and there's no air conditioning and there's no, there's no one habit, uh, inhabiting that. It may take a little bit of time, but ultimately it's going to crumble into nothing. You, houses are made to live in. You have been made to be occupied by the living God. You think God is going to move into a junker that he's not going to fix up? Amen? He is the great remodeler. He's the one who comes in and he makes things according to his taste. Amen? It's not according to my taste or your taste. It's his taste. It's like, Lord, you whatever style you want me to be, just style me out. Amen? Just go ahead and rip out whatever needs to rip out and put back whatever needs to be to put back. Amen. See, if we don't get this, we diminish our strength. If we don't value others, we are cutting off our own nose to spot our face. Why do we value others? Because God values them. God values us. How do we know? Because of the sacrifice that he made as being the firstborn from the Father to come to this earth to provide everything needed to build the house. I want to, this is going to be a frontal assault. Lord, help me to articulate I'm going to stomp to death in security. I do. I want to jump on it. I want to pounce on it. I want to beat the living snot out of it. I want to throat punch it. I want to jab it. I want to, I want to judo kick it. I want to do all. I want it to be so afraid to walk into this house that it'll never show up again. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I believe that people of God need to be free from, the, from all of the experiences that's tried to galvanize inside of you that you have no value. You have value, and your value is in the kingdom of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you, gave himself for you. I'm telling you what, I don't know what was harder, Jesus coming and making the sacrifice or the Father watching his son make the sacrifice. I don't know, and I know that God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself, and they are three but yet one, and I, I, I see that. But folks, let me say to you, God did not do all of that so that we could still live in this devalued state and I'll constantly be looking at the needs of others being greater than our own needs. And, and let me say that differently. The gifts of, thank you, so good to be married to a theologian. The gifts of others being more value than the gifts that God has given you. That's the competitive market. We don't live in the competitive market. We live as family. Can I answer that? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's all right. 
put them on, put them on speaker. They can listen to the closing. You're all right. You're all right. I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. Don't be embarrassed. It's happened to all of us. Worship team, make your way up right now. The worship team, I want you guys to look at me. If you need to be in this altar, don't hide on the stage. You understand? If you need to be in the altar, don't hide on the stage. If you're dealing with insecurity, no matter who you are, if you're listening online, you can make an altar right there in your living room. I want you to stand. Come on. If you're in this place and you're just sick and tired of taking your cues and your commands from this spirit of insecurity, that every time you try to step up, it tries to push you back down. If you're so tired of that spirit that devalues you, and every time you hear a message, that message that comes back to you is the lie of the enemy saying, this is not for you, it's for somebody else. God wouldn't, he'd do it for them, but he wouldn't do it for you. Then my God, let's kick the living snot out of the spirit. Amen. I'm a pretty passive dude. Honestly. I don't get riled up. Takes a lot. I just, I don't like to argue. I don't, I'm not real aggressive. Until the spirit comes on me. And he gets all aggressive. He's like, go get them. Go take them out. Don't put up. Look, that rabid dog tried to come into my yard and bite my child. No, you're not going to do that. No. I say to you, the Father is saying to you, he doesn't want you to be in constant turmoil over this insecurity. It's time to be free. And you know how we're going to find freedom today? It's going to be amazing. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to repent. There's power in repentance. And the Holy Spirit is going to enable us through repentance to have that supernatural encounter where he's going to take it out. See, you don't want me doing heart surgery on you. (laughs) You don't want me doing spiritual surgery on you. You need the Holy Spirit to reach in. What will he use as his instrument? He will use repentance. And if you'll ask him to forgive you for living that lie, living the lie, living the lie, and say, Lord, forgive me for living this lie that your sacrifice is not enough to open my eyes to my value and I don't value others, then, Lord, I'm asking you to take it out of me. I want you to do something. Get out of your seat. And say, I am leaving insecurity. I'm leaving insecurity right here. I'm leaving it right here. I'm not carrying it out of here with me. I'm leaving it. I'm going to God in faith, and I'm going to leave it right here. I'm leaving it right here. I'm letting it go. I'm going to repent. Now, there's other people in here. You've got just a minute or two. Got a minute or two. Come on. Come on. I mean, the Holy Spirit can do more than I can do in a minute, in a moment. Lord, if that insecurity, Lord, let it be revealed right now. If that insecurity is hindering anyone from the balcony to the stage, from the front door to the back, Lord God, if they need liberation, freedom, Lord God, from that fear and insecurity, Lord, you're speaking to their heart. Lord, just give them the courage right now to step out, step out, step out. In Jesus' name. Now, those of you in the altar right now, just lift your hands up and surrender. The universal sign of surrender is just lifting your hands. I want you to lift your hands right now. And I want you in your own words, just ask the Holy Spirit to remove it. Come on. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we ask Almighty God, Lord, for you to forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord God. Come on, let the words be verbalized. Come on, let it roll off your lips, from your heart. Lord, forgive me for listening to this lie. 
Come on, Lord, forgive me for listening to this lie of insecurity. Lord, forgive me right now for, Lord, listening to this lie of insecurity that has plagued my heart my life. Now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us, Lord God. Come on, ask his forgiveness. Lord, forgive us, Lord God, for listening to these lies. Now, Father, I pray right now for those that are in the altar, Lord, that you would replace those lies with your truth. That, Lord, you would replace those lies with your truth. That, Lord, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That, Lord God, there is a calling, Lord God, that is upon their life that you are partnering with them, Lord God, to fulfill. And, Lord God, we refuse, Father, to leave this altar with this insecurity. We refuse, Lord God, to live our lives in a place, Lord God, where we are not firmly secure in you. And, Lord, we thank you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, to those in the altar, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. To be insecure means to not be firmly fixed. To be insecure means literally to not be firmly fixed. You're going to walk in victory because you're going to put yourself firmly fixed in Him. You're firmly fixed in God. Your faith is in Him. Your faith is in what He has done. Your ability only comes from Him. He not only tells you to be righteous, He imparts His righteousness to you. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. You are the apple of God's eye. He loves you. You are righteous in Him. You're not going to live that way anymore. Your days of those insecure moments are finished and you're going to continue to walk in this security that God gives you. And when you feel yourself where the ground seems to be shifting under you, you just go ahead and fix yourself back in the love of God. You just realign yourself to the love of God. What repentance literally means is a new way of thinking. As you are living your life, living what He believes about you. It's Christ. See, it doesn't matter what God thinks about you. What matters is what you believe God thinks about you. That's what changes everything. What does He believe about you? Well, He loves you so much that He'd do that. He loves you so much that He would keep you in the midst of that storm. Father, let your blessing of security settle in the hearts of your children. Settle in the hearts, God, of those that are here. Lord, we firmly fix ourselves in you. Thank you. You're our surety and our security. <laughs> oh, God. There's some hell chasers right here, Lord. There's some Lord, there's some, there's some kingdom, Lord God, advancers in this altar right now. There's some relational, Lord God, transformation taking place right now. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him praise today. Come on. Give him praise today. Give him praise today. keep basking and knowing all he's done he's done for you he loves you that much he loves you that much isn't that a beautiful it's that personal he loves you he loves you he loves you how do I know because he demonstrated now receive Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for being brave enough to step out. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Somebody ought to praise God in this house. You're going to do more than you ever thought you could do. 
because it's not you, it's him in you. Amen? I'd like to invite all of our Hispanic folks, Hispanic ministry, and is having a meal over next door. And so come on, you're learning to speak Spanish, I guess you can come on over and practice. Amen. Also, Bibles and Burgers, we're so thankful for Tim and Yvonne and the team, and they're just going out, just rocking the world. We love them, appreciate them. Keep them in your cont uh, continual prayers. Uh, they'll be at J. Lou Community Park this week. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday from 11 to 2. Also, uh, voting members, our annual business meeting is coming up the last week of February. And so we have three positions that are open for election or re-election. And so that'll be board trustee, board secretary, and also one of our board trustee positions. All of those members that are eligible for nominations, you can find out back there in a list. Fill out those nominations, drop them in the box in the back. We appreciate that. The uh, nominations uh, will be open up uh, until the last Sunday in January. Also, if you are right now, if you're participating, continue on. Thank you. Your fasting and prayer is making a world of difference in this house and the spiritual atmosphere. And so we're going we're gonna to finish our fast next Sunday. And so you choose the fast, whatever that fast may be. It could be food. It could be, you know, fast. I don't know, whatever. Whatever you decide is fine. Just take some time and spend it alone with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Clint Graham, I want you to come and dismiss us today in prayer, our men's ministry leader. And we're still reading our Bible. Amen. Keep going. 90-day challenge. See, whoever finishes first gets a prize. Praise God. Amen. All right, let's pray. We thank you, Lord, so much for, for your word today. Lord, we thank you for the confidence, Lord, in your living word. Lord, continue to settle our hearts. Give us confidence. Give us faith. And keep us warm today as we go home. We pray you just bless this coming week. And bless all the ministry, Lord, that pours out of this house into the world. In Jesus' name.